Remember, the reason for us coming into the house of God um, and why God encourages us to do it is so that we can be equipped to be able to go out again, fired up and ready to continue doing the work that God has called us to. So let us stand. Awesome. There you go. <laughs> We're going to sing an amazing song. Um, Grant, can you pop up those first verse for me? There we go. I was lost with a broken heart. You picked me up. Now I'm set apart. Yeah, I am set apart. I'm no longer as I was walking in the world, but now I'm, I'm set apart for God's purposes. So as we sing this morning, let's sing as we are set apart. We are holy, righteous in God's, you know, in God's eyes. That's how He sees us. So let's sing with authority. Let's worship Him and love upon Him because He deserves our praise, yeah? And he's been waiting all morning, just going, come on, wake up, wake up. Can't wait for you to get to church. Oh, they're going to sing to me this morning. This is so good, so good. Listen out, angels. Are you listening? Are you listening? Your church is going to worship me this morning. It's going to be great. Because he's been anticipating you guys coming into the house. He's been anticipating us coming into the house together. So as we worship, as we lift it up, let your hearts just be filled with God's love, filled with God's joy this morning. Amen. All right. Let's go, team. Let's put our hands together. I was lost, I was lost with a broken heart. You picked me up, now I'm set apart. From the ash I'm born again, forever safe in the Savior's hand. You are more than my words could say. I'll follow you, love, for all my days. I'm
place. Your place, yes, Lord. You are all we need. Your love has set us free. Sing it again. You are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are, you are all we need. Your love has set us free. You're alive. You are alive. In us, nothing can take your place. You, you are all we need. Your love has set us free. One more time, sing it again, church. You are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love has set us free. Nothing can take your place. Nothing can take your place. Think of a puzzle piece, right? There's a puzzle. You've made the whole thing up and there's this piece that's missing, right? There's a piece that's missing and it's annoying because the picture's not finished yet. So it's not that we take other things and put it in God's place because nothing can fill the place of God. Yeah, that puzzle piece, that puzzle piece that's missing is God. Nothing can fill that place. So let's sing that one more time with our hearts set on the fact that God, we desire you to fill this piece, all right? You are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love has set us free. So God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. How about we just start to thank Him this morning? You lift your voice wherever you are. Start to give Him thanks. Come on. you got a lot to be thankful for. A lot to be thankful for. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that we all got here this morning. I thank you for this nation that we live in. I thank you for the city that we live in. I thank you that we've got food in our bellies, clothes on our bodies. Father, I thank you that I am a son of God. I thank you for the sons and daughters of God in this place. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for the fact that we can um, relate with you, that we have got relationship with you, that we can speak with you, that we can give you praise, that we can give you thanks. I thank you that you're the God of miracles. I thank you that you're interested in the details as well as the big picture. I thank you that you have a plan and purpose for each of us, and it's a good, good plan. I thank you that your thoughts are directed toward us. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for a great opportunity to lift you up this morning, to give you praise, to worship you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I 
thank you, Lord. Father, this morning we come into your house from a place of thanksgiving. We come into your house and our expectation is to step into the peace of God this morning. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here, that you are working amongst us. Jesus, it's our desire this morning that you are lifted up. It's our desire this morning that the residue of our time together is thanksgiving, that the residue of our time together is the peace of God as we go into our week. It's our desire this morning that when our time concludes, it'll be you that's left in the front of our thinking. It'll be your mark that's left on our spirits this morning because we've spent time in your presence celebrating you. How about you take hold of your own mind this morning and push the stuff of the week off to the left and off to the right. Just drop it to the left, drop it to the right. We've all got stuff going on in our world. But let's make sure Jesus is central, eh? Make that your determination now for the next hour or so. That Jesus will be central in your thinking. That this is daddy time. Sitting on your father's knee. Father, this morning we loose the atmosphere of heaven in this place. And we bind up the chaos of our world that every person would know your peace. That every heart, every mind in this place would know your peace this morning. Let the atmosphere of heaven reign, I pray, in Jesus' name. place on the planet right now, hanging out with you guys in the presence of God. Why don't you greet a couple of people around you this morning, tell them they made a great choice coming to church this morning, great choice being here. gathering with the family. Welcome. It is great to be together this morning. 
And uh, we're going to have a great time in the presence of God and with his family, hanging out. What better way could you start the day? It's good, isn't it? Excellent. If you're visiting with us this morning, welcome. I pray that you feel comfortable. Please feel comfortable. Relax. Enjoy our time together. Church, can we welcome our guests this morning, please? If you're visiting with us today, as you leave the auditorium later, if you go to your right, there's a a table just there and there's some bags there and there'll be someone there to greet you and we'd love to give you some information about who we are and where we're going, what God's doing with us. Nice to have you with us today. Who's had a birthday or an, an, well, Desna's had one, it's her birthday right today, would you believe? It's very good, very, very good. So yes, you can come and stand with me. Anybody else had a birthday or a wedding anniversary this last week? Oh, look, here they come. Running even, running even. I'm figuring that you guys coming together must be your wedding anniversary. Great. How many years? 29, that's worth a hand. Woo! He's fessing up. Ellen's had a birthday too. Happy birthday, Ellen. You guys don't look old enough to be married 29 years. <laughs> Anybody else? Any other birthdays, celebrations? No, why don't you jump up on your feet? We're going to pray God's blessing over these guys. Come in, come in a little. It's great. It's great. Here we go. Ready? Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy birthday. Happy wedding anniversary. Well, that's very cool. Well, we are, um, we are going to highlight global missions to you slightly different this year than we've done in the past and uh, normally May is when we really lift the profile of missions well we're starting in April we're starting today and it's going to happen over the next two months we're going to uh, introduce you to the missionaries we're going to hopefully connect you a little bit more closely with the missionaries this year uh, Elska is, um, is uh, what do I say, out the front pushing the campaign, which is awesome. She's doing a fantastic, why don't you stand up? I know you won't want to, but just for a moment, stand up. She's doing a fantastic job uh, around global mission and, and making sure that it, it gets the, the, um, the profile that it needs to get in our church. And so I'm really excited and grateful about that. How about uh, we watch a video for the next few minutes? Thank you very much, Grant. Hello, it's a great pleasure to be able to present Global Missions 2016 to you today. I'd like to sit in front of you today and say, look, we've seen 500 churches planted in the last year, but that's not the case. Our focus has shifted and the focus of our missionaries has shifted somewhat to working with people groups that it's actually really hard to penetrate with the gospel. But I encourage you, please invest in Global Missions. We are right on the edge of the Great Commission, where we've been asked to be. We're working hard on every front and we are seeing results. It is a great pleasure to be on this journey with you.
Grant. And I'm Vicky. We recently relocated from mainland China to Hong Kong. We will still be involved in China, making disciples and starting churches, as well as doing that in Hong Kong. Thank you so much for your support and partnership with what we're doing here. Hello, my name is Kay. I'm a missionary in Brussels, Belgium. to everybody at Activate Church in Hamilton. My name is Brent Weaver. I am working in Kyiv, Ukraine. I'm involved predominantly in disciple making amongst uh, Ukrainian young people, uh, meeting uh, new people through our English clubs and uh, summer English camps. You're most welcome to come along to them in July and August this year. Church, thank you very much for supporting us uh, over these many years. Igniting church planting movements in Western Europe, that's what we do. Uh, what I saw in 1989 is beginning to take place. Very exciting to see the momentum beginning to build like crazy. So thank you so much for your support. God bless you. Isn't that good? 
It's exciting, isn't it? We're involved in so much more than here. We really are. We're involved in our city, in our nation, in the nations of the world. A couple of things you've... Now, which card? You've got that card on your seat. You've got that one. So hopefully you've got this one at the door. So you've got two cards this morning. This one here has got our mission mandate, which you probably need to read because it has changed. Um, we have refocused our, our, what we're doing for global missions. So our global mission mandate, activating community transformation by making disciples, establishing and strengthening churches based on a global apostolic and prophetic mandate to extend his kingdom as directed by the Holy Spirit. I believe actually we're about to step into a really, really exciting season of global missions. On the other side of it is your faith commitment card and uh, faith promise commitment. And you can put your name details on there if you want to sow financially, which I pray you do, into global missions. Uh, this year, you can fill out all the details there, put it in the, one of the giving boxes at the back, and um, we'll take it from there. Someone will be in touch with you. You can also tick on there how you'd like to be involved with global missions this year. And then there's this one. This is something that's different that's happening this year. This is a postcard. This is what's on your seat. And can I encourage you, if you want to write a note to any of the people you just saw on the screen, write them a note, pop it in the giving box at the back, and we'll bundle them all up together and we'll send them off to the right people at the right time. Cool? So, so make it personal and, um, and write a note. That'll be very good. Let me pray. Just, Father, I thank you for a great opportunity this year to be involved, not only in our city and the nation, but in the nations of the world. And Father, I thank you that before us is such an open door is such incredible opportunity for each of us. And I ask that today you would start to stir our hearts beyond the here. Father, you'd start to stir our hearts in ways that we can be involved. Lord, you know how much finance we need to raise to make it all work. And I ask that you would start to stir our hearts even today around giving into global mission. And by faith that we would sow in that we would see an incredible kingdom result in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's exciting, isn't it? Very good. Actually, Anna and Nam are with us uh, next weekend from, well, it's hard to work out where they reside now. They used to be in Vietnam. They're all over the world now. And I spent a couple of hours with them this week, and it really is quite amazing, the doors that are opening for them. So that'll be, you'll enjoy them. They're, they're a lot of fun. Uh, a couple of other things you need to know. Well, Pastor Ray's at Activate Church Tokoroa this morning, so we pray that it goes well for him, safe travel, that God moves powerfully through him in Jesus' name. And also, parents, uh, there's we're in the school holidays now, in case you didn't realise. Uh, there are activity sheets at the back for the kids this morning, so if you would like, your kids can grab those, bring them back to you. It would be very good. Well, we're going to celebrate communion together. Be good, won't it? Yeah, Janice, why don't you come? Janice Muir is going to lead us this morning. So why don't you give Janice a hand as she comes? Good morning, everyone. Um, what I'm going to share today is probably not news to you, but it's going to be a nice reminder, hopefully. 
The word forgive is defined in the Oxford Dictionary as a person who stops feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offence, flaw or mistake and to cancel a debt. When God sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, he set this powerful notion into reality for us all. He set the ultimate example for us. Sometimes we can easily forget how powerful forgiveness is until we ourselves have to forgive somebody or ourselves. In my personal experience, depending on the level of hurt or anger we've experienced, it can determine the ease or hardness it can take to forgive. But it's a choice and sometimes we have to make the choice and by the grace of God, our feelings will follow. Making the choice and relying on God to do the rest, even when we don't want to, even when we feel like the person doesn't deserve it, because they don't. We don't. There's huge power in forgiveness. It sets us free knowing we're forgiven and also forgiving ourselves and others. There are many, 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 many Bible references to it as well. God knew what he was doing and what was best for us when he set that ball in motion, sending Jesus to die for us. The ultimate example to show us how we can also forgive. It's so powerful and it's freeing. So my challenge to you today, and on a personal note, in the past when I've forgiven somebody, it's almost like you've got a drain pipe that's blocked and someone's got the high pressure hose, cleared it all out. It actually frees you as well as the other person. So um, let me just quickly pray and then we can take the emblems together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for that powerful, powerful thing that you put into place for us by showing us forgiveness and help us to be able to forgive others and ourselves and relying on you to help us when it's really, really hard to do so. Amen. As the emblems continue to be handed out, I just encourage you, you can just continue to stay in this atmosphere of thankfulness and reflection, um, and we'll begin to sing over you. May the peace of God that transcends understanding, that makes no sense in this world, that comes from God, rest in this place this morning.
the writer of Hebrews has been talking about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And then he carries on in chapter 10, verse 19, and he says, And so, and so because of the sacrifice of Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with blood, with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep His promise. We're going to sing that chorus one more time. And can I encourage you really to step in to that place with Jesus, that holy of holies. You don't have to work to get there. Jesus has done all the work. I don't know, what would you like to say if you were in the throne room of God this morning? Maybe it's the appropriate time to say that to Him. Can we sing it one more time?
Father, we continue to keep our hearts open, our minds open, our ears open. Help us take hold of the word that you will deposit in our spirits this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name. And I pray that that word will grow, that it will flourish, that it will produce a great harvest. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, actually, interestingly, that scripture I read carries on and it says, so make sure you encourage each other to do good works. It's good, isn't it? We come into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God. So make sure you encourage each other to continually do good works. In other words, wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. And then it says after that, and don't neglect gathering together as some do. Well, that's not us this morning. Here we are together. But encourage one another. So as you take a seat, why don't you encourage someone next to you say, good on you, keep walking, the walk of faith. Thank you, team. That was beautiful. Well, it's a privilege this morning to have Chris Hubbard speaking to us. Chris is our CEO at ATC. Love all the acronyms, eh? You think that's bad? You want to be in the organisation with government funding and different things. Acronym after acronym after acronym. Every time I go to a board meeting, I hear a new one. I go, what the heck is that one supposed to mean? But there you go. So it's great. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Pastor Trevor Wilson was our CEO for around 10 years, and he uh, has retired from the role in about August last year after doing a great job there for a decade or over a decade. And uh, we are very, very grateful to him for the job that he has done. Chris and Moira have shifted up from Nelson, and Chris has taken the role there in August. I think it was August day. In August. So uh, he's really got his feet under the table now, and um, we're we're powering our way into this year. So, Chris, I, I ask you to listen this morning, not to Chris as the CEO of ATC, but as a minister of God. And uh, Chris has a long history in ministry, and I believe he'll bring a great word for us to encourage us, inspire us, challenge us this morning. So why don't you give him a big hand as he comes. Thanks, Sheridan. Hopefully you feel the same at the end of the word. <clears throat> Thanks. I um, wanted to get something installed in my house this week, uh, well, late, recently, and um, normally I'd get two or three quotes on it. and because uh, reasonable, you know, investment. And um, anyway, they, I just decided this one organisation, because they were giving some good prices, and I thought, no, I just feel right about that. So um, I rang them up, and, and uh, they eventually got back to me and said, oh, can we come Saturday morning? I'm like, oh, you know, you're preparing for a word. Saturday morning's like gold preparation time, you know. And um, I thought, oh, yeah, okay. It was quarter past 11, that's okay. Anyway, the guy comes around, and he happens to be the owner. Came around to give the quote, and... Um, then we find out quickly that he's a Christian, and most of the time we were talking about the Word and we were exchanging, you know, uh, theological principles and so forth and encourage one another, and, and then um, he said, oh, look, I'm just so grateful for how blessed my business is. I just, I won't be able to be able to come back for a week, uh, for, sorry, for four weeks, because we've got so much, so much on, and it's just continuous, and he said, um, I, just, I just thank God so much for that, and, and uh, we give a lot to missions, and he told me the figure that they were believing for for this year to give, and it was just... It was huge, you know, huge. And um, I thought, no wonder his, his business is blessed, you know. He says, we've got enough. We want to give it away. 
So it was brilliant. So, um, yeah, what seems to be a bit of a fly in the ointment comes out to be a blessing, doesn't it? It was great. So good morning and uh, thank you for the privilege, I do count it a privilege to come up here, uh, having been a pastor, opening the pulpit is always a tricky thing, you take a risk. Um, when I asked God what he wanted to share, I had this great sermon prepared and he said, no, I don't want you to share that, and I, oh, that, was, that was a good one. Uh, but two years ago he gave me a revelation of um, the three stages of relationship with him, and it's all based around Psalm 91, so if you want to follow along with me this morning, I'm going to flick around, but um, I'm going to really come back all the time to Psalm 91. How many people think Psalm 91 is one of their favourite psalms? Because yeah. it's so encouraging, isn't it? There's all these good promises in it and you know, positive stuff. Uh, so we're going to stay in there. So Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Isn't that amazing? I love that, the secret place. You know, the holy of holies, um, as Sheridan was sharing this morning. The secret place is where we meet God. It's our private space, isn't it? We've got the secret spot to come into. And you know, I, I love the fact that I've, every time I go there and meet with God, God never turns around to me and says, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm busy with Sheridan at the moment. Can, can you just come back in about 10 minutes? You know? He's always got time for me. You know, you imagine if um, President Obama or the Queen or some famous person said, I'd, I'd like to meet with you, that you'd be honoured, wouldn't you? And, um, you know... If it was um, John Key, it might even be more of an honour, or um, <clears throat> depending on what you believe in. Um, <laughs> but this is God Almighty who made the entire universe, and he's not saying, I'm making an appointment with you. He's saying, I'm making a space where you can come anytime, anywhere that you want to, and I will be there personally for you. And that's just mind-blowing, isn't it? Absolutely mind-blowing, that the God of the whole universe would want to meet personally with me in a special place, a secret place. There's just me and him, and just you and him. Yeah. We could stop there and just have a praise party, couldn't we? Matthew 6, 17 and 18 says, But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So there's a New Testament sort of connection for you. The secret place in God. You see, we look, it's like we have this little salvation swipe card to sneak into the secret place, you know. I can get in there, I've got one of these, you know. Quite cool. Fellowship with the Almighty. Amen. Verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Stage 1 is a refuge. And we come into that, we start that secret place, we come into that place where we can run to Him for help. We can enter into that special place, that hiding place. Hebrews 6.18 says, Who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, the secret place. Amen? Isn't that brilliant? We enter into the special holy of holies through the blood of Jesus. He is the curtain that we enter through. But notice in verse 2 it starts with a confession. I will say of the Lord... What, what was our first confession to God, seriously, in faith? Probably when we got saved. We made a confession that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And we entered into the secret place. And it starts with a confession here. And what is that? I will say of the Lord, He is, he is my refuge, my God, in Him I will trust. Not I might, not I will someday. I will and now, and it's real. 
Same as the woman with the issue of blood. I will be made whole. Same as the centurion. My, my uh, servant will be made, heal, made whole and healed. Will be. So what is the result of this faith confession? See that in verse 3, don't we? Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the plans of the evil one, in other words, the devil, and from the perilous pestilence, from the results of sin. He's washed us clean and cleansed us from that, taking our sins for us. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. How close to him do you have to be to be under his refuge? You ever seen a bird with chicks, and they settle on their chicks? And those chicks are completely hidden, aren't they? Completely covered by the feathers and the wings of the, of the mother. That's what God wants to do for us. His truth shall be your shield and buckler, the shield of faith, like Ephesians 6, faith in his word, and all the fiery darts just ping off. You know, they don't have any effect on you. You'll not be afraid of the terror by night when your senses aren't working. He's got your back. All right? Nor of the arrow that flies by day, the things you don't see coming, the surprise attacks. No, he's got that covered. He knows. Nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Disease, war, and terror won't come near you. A thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes will you look and see the reward of the wicked. The secret place, the running to your father for safety like we were when you were a little child and knowing that you're okay. That's stage one, isn't it? But there's an important step here because, you know, when you think about all those promises and blessings, you don't always see all Christians walking in them all the time, do you? So what's the key here? We've got a loving Father. To receive the fullness of that, we have to understand how to get hold of the promises like these ones. And to get hold of the promises, we have to understand how we work faith, don't we? And there's four key steps there. I'll just quickly run through them because there's quite a bit to cover. But in Romans 10, 8, and 9, that salvation scripture, it points out four different points, and I'll pull them out for you. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, because we get saved by faith. So the word brings faith in our hearts, doesn't it? We know in Romans 10, 17, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we get faith in our hearts. Getting faith is the first step to anything. You can't go and use your credit card, or sorry, not your credit card, your FPOS card anywhere until you've got something in your account. It's, it's just a piece of plastic until that point. Until you've got something in there, so you've got to get the faith in your heart. Feed on his word. And then step two, that if you confess with your mouth, the switch of faith is with the tongue, isn't it? We will say. That turns the faith on. It releases it. You've put it in your heart and then you release it with your mouth. And then believe in your heart that God has raised them from the dead. We believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead for salvation, but we believe in our heart for the promise to come past in our life in whatever we're believing for, don't we? That's the most common mistake I find that Christians make. When we believe, they think we have to believe up here. But notice it says it's not about believing in your head. It's about believing in here. This is, this is the key thing. So we can convince ourselves in here, and then we think, oh, God, why didn't that come to pass? I, I really believed. But that doesn't have any power up here. It has power down here. It has power when you've got that spiritual substance from God, faith, 
that comes, like the faith is, is a substance of things hoped for. It's given in measures, it can grow. It's a, it's a spiritual something that goes into here, and then we can release it with our tongue, and it produces a spiritual result into the physical. Amen? But the natural mind, the natural man, can't produce anything. We've got to use God's tools to bring his word to pass. And then the last one, notice that you have to believe before you receive. You notice in that verse it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you do that first, and then you believe in your heart, great, you've done that, that God has raised him, raised him from the dead, and then you will be saved. The salvation comes after you've done the other things. And with faith it's always that way, isn't it? You confess, you believe, then you get. You don't get and think, oh wow, it's mine now, I'll confess it. That's always a bit of a challenge, isn't it? We get the same thing, and it's uh, in Mark 11, 22 to 24, and I always like to get a couple of scriptures that say the same thing. Let's back it up with a witness. In Mark 11, 22, 24, it says, have faith in God. Same thing. Let's get the faith in there first. Feed on those scriptures. Feed on the promises. And you might say, what promises? Well, what's your need? What do you need in your life? Well, that's what you want to feed on. Have you ever planted a uh, tomato seed and got a cucumber? Or um, planted an orange tree and got a lemon? Hopefully not. In Genesis, God says every seed will produce after its kind. Whatever you plant in your heart, it'll produce after its kind. If you want healing, you, you put in the promises and the belief in healing into your heart. Amen? If you want peace, then you're going to feed on those promises. If you want salvation, you feed on those promises. Everyone will produce after its own kind. That's what we need to feed on. And then it says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed to be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So we say, we get the faith, we say, and if he doubt not in his heart, again, notice again, not head, heart, he will have whatever he saves, saves. And then it says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Right? You've got to believe first. The New Living Translation says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. You've got to believe first. You know, when you woke up in the morning this morning, uh, did you think, wow, I'm not saved this morning, I don't feel like it. You drag yourself out and you have a look in the mirror and think, man, I don't look saved either. You know? <laughs> Does that make any difference to your salvation? No. Why? Because you know that God's word says that you are. Does that make any difference if you believe for healing and you suddenly think you see you're not healed or you feel you're not healed? Does that make any difference to his promise in your life? So we receive um, salvation by faith and by the principles and then we think every other promise will come differently. It comes the same way. Every time it comes the same way. Same principles. I... Um, Notice in uh, Romans 4.17 that God works this way all the time, doesn't he? God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's what he does. He calls it out. This has happened. Well, I can't see it. This has happened. And it does. He uses faith. Amen? I remember um, back when uh, Maura and I uh, planted a church and we pastored it for many years, a long time ago now. Um, but we had our, our um, children's ministry leader. She started to, um, at one point, lose feeling in her lips and so forth. And then over a period of weeks and months, she, she started to lose the ability to control her tongue and so forth and couldn't speak properly and had to knock off her work as a um, primary school teacher. And then 
started sort of dribbling and couldn't control her limbs properly as these things sort of got worse and worse and she was praying about it and everything eventually went to the doctor and sent him to a specialist and uh, the specialist checked her over and she said, he said, sorry, uh, but you've got a, a fast onset form of multiple sclerosis, MS. You've got a maximum of two years to live and I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. Well, as soon as I heard that, of course, I went around and saw her and I said, that's not what God's word says. God's word says in 1 Peter 2.24 that by whose stripes you have been healed. This promise is already done. He's already done it at the cross. You can receive his healing for you today, you know. And you just have to get onto these principles in the word, this receiving by faith, feed on his promises and his, and his blessings, and get back into, into the Bible on those. And I gave her some books and some tapes. Who remembers cassette tapes? All right, good. Um, <clears throat> books and tapes. And she started feeding on those. Within a couple of months, she was a lot better. And uh, within six months, she was completely healed of this thing. And um, went back to the specialist, and the specialist uh, checked her over and gave her a complete bill of health and said, you're in remission, and this is more than 20 years ago with no, no sign of ever coming back. So, you know, God is true to his word, isn't he? But it's a little bit like uh, give a man a fish, he can eat for the day, and give him, give him, teach him how to fish, and he can live forever. Uh, sorry, not live forever, but... He can eat for the rest of his life. I just had to put something about fishing in there because Sheridan's been doubting that my salvation is true because I don't like fishing. <laughs> um, but about a year later, her mother got cancer and the, well, the report wasn't very good. And uh, so she went and saw her mother and said, well, that's not what God's word says. God's word says that by whose stripes you've been healed. And she was, and she went on, and that was brilliant. So his mother got healed as well. So you spread this sort of understanding of God wants to, you know, he loves us, he wants us to receive his promises. And that's stage one of our relationship with God, that he wants to come into the secret place and have all your needs met, that you can run to him as refuge and receive from him. So stage two, two starts in verse nine. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, that's stage one, even the most high your dwelling place, so you're not running, you're not visiting anymore. You said, hey, I've seen that room was spare in your house. Can I move in, please? You know, that's your home now. This is stage two. And the promises, in verse 10, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague or calamity, as the Amplified says, come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In your hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. So we, when you're dwelling in God's house, that you've got this shield about you. It's not running to him for help now. It just, it doesn't get near you. His angels are about you, encompassed about you. You're living in his divine protection, trampling on the enemy. And I sort of liken it like the first stage you were a soldier and you've got to run back for some help and a few bandages until you get back in the battle. But now when you've come into his protection, you're in a tank. And you're just rolling forward through the enemy's lines. And you know, we read before, what's he got? He's got bows and arrows, fiery darts. Well, you know, I'm quite happy in the tank, thank you very much. He's got no weapon that formed against me can prosper. Because I can roll through his lines and his plans and not worry. That's a good, encouraging thought, isn't it? In John 15, 17, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. If you abide in me, if you make me your home, 
and my words abide in you, that faith will be formed in your heart, then you'll be able to ask what you will and you will be done. And of course, if you're abiding him and your words abiding in you, you're going to ask some pretty good stuff anyway, aren't you? Are you visiting or are you living in the secret place is my question. If you're in God's house, you've got the right to go to his fridge. Get some sustenance. Amen? You've got a right to lay back on his sofa and relax and get some comfort and peace. You've got the right to put on his TV and watch something. It's always on the learning channel, by the way. You've got a right to talk to him for counseling and advice. You're living there. Can you imagine being in God's house and someone's going to come and steal your stuff? If you were living in God's house? Can you imagine living in God's house and you get sick? Can you imagine living in God's house and something bad happens? Doesn't seem possible, doesn't it, in your mind? If you're living in his house, dwelling there. That's stage two, isn't it? I uh, remember years ago, I was walking in a lot of this stuff and learning and claiming these promises in Psalm 91. And uh, particularly in verse 6 and 7, in verse 10 when it says, No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague or calamity come near your dwelling. And thank you, God. You know, when I travel in the car, it doesn't come near me, which means the people in front and behind me in cars, they're protected and they don't even know about it. They're just blessed, you know, it just extends, you know. Praise God, they're lucky. I go on a plane, it's going to get to the destination, and everyone there is just lucky because, you know, I'm there. And because I'm there, God's there, all right? Amen? That should be the same as all of us, isn't it? And, I, you know, I just rejoice in that and his protection. And then one day the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, if you really believe that, why have you got car insurance? <laughs> so I went and cancelled the car insurance. For 20 years we had no car insurance of any sort because just trusting in him. Now I would put that clarification in there that I was walking and seeing these miracles and protection for quite some time, and I felt this leading from the Holy Spirit. Please don't go and try that. <laughs> All right? And no, we didn't have any accidents. We didn't have anything come, any, come against us. It didn't even come near us. It didn't come in the front of the car, in front of the car behind, because his word was true. You might say, what happened after 20 years? My kids got their license. <laughs> Perhaps my faith wasn't big enough. <clears throat> Stage three. Stage three is the cool one. Stage three is where he wants everyone to be. In verse 14 it says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. See, God always gets it to personal stuff in the end. He always gets it to love in the end. So you started with hope, you know, the hope of salvation, and then you moved into faith and received that, and the faith then produces some love and a deep relationship, and it goes through the whole three. Because he has set his love upon me. It changes in these last verses from the third person to the first person. I don't know if you noticed that. It changes from he will and so forth to suddenly I will. It gets personal. This is where he wants us to be. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I'll satisfy him and I'll show him my salvation. You know, it's really personal when you get to this point. It's not just hanging with him anymore. It's not just being mates or friends. It's having a love union. It's having communion. It's having an intimate relationship. It's becoming one 
with him, isn't it? Ephesians 3.8 says, To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. It's the word koinonia, which means partnership. The partnership of the mystery. He wants this. Amen? It's like a marriage. You know, when you get married, you become one flesh, don't you? You live together. You, you do things together. You share things together. In 1 Corinthians 6, 17, it says, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. All right, just as you're married in the flesh, then you're married in the spirit, and he wants to be one with you, this partnership, closer than we can imagine. We enter into that holy of holies, as Sheridan mentioned, through the blood of Jesus. He's the curtain. As we go through his body, we're washed by his blood as we get to the Father. The brilliant picture. Translated into another dimension, if you like, Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the power of the darkness and conveyed and translated us into the kingdom of the realm of his son of his love. We are multidimensional beings. On one hand, I'm in the fleshly realm, the physical realm. On the other side, I'm in the spiritual realm. I've got a foot in each camp, right? And in this realm, everything's supplied. Everything's perfect. Everything's wonderful. In this realm, it's all corrupt and horrible and there's all sorts of bad stuff does happen, right? But by faith... By faith I enter into here and I hold, grab hold of things by the promises of God and I pull them by faith into this realm and make them real. That's how the whole thing works. We're multidimensional beings. If you're into science fiction, I hope that appeals to your mind. 2 Peter 1.14 says, 1.4, sorry, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. We can't do it by self-sacrifice. We can't do it by religion. We do it by the promises of God. From salvation all the way through, these are the things that make us partakers of his divine nature. We use his ability, his word, his promises to change us, not our attempts, not our fleshly ideas about religious practice. Amen? It's a spiritual door. You've got to enter it with a spiritual technique. Because he has set his love upon me, set apart, there's a sanctification here. There's a separation from the world. There's in a sense, you know, when you get married, you say, forsaking all others. You often hear that in the marriage vows. Same with the spiritual realm. Forsaking all others. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, or the realm of God, if you like. Seek ye first living here, which means nothing else can come first. Nothing else can come before God. All the other things are allowable, but they should never be first in your life. We need to give God the best bits, the first fruits. You know, the Old Testament always talks about first fruits. I always wonder about, you know, what's... Maura and I have been married a few weeks ago. We were married 34 years. So we got married when we were five. <clears throat> So, you know, she doesn't worry. She's learnt to trust me that if I make friends with someone of the female sex and, you know, she doesn't worry that there's going to be some relations formed out of that. So where's the boundary with that type of thing, you know, with God? Or, you know, if you look at it in the natural, she knows that I'm always going to put her first, that I'm always going to trust her and she's going to trust me. There's a trust built up over many, many years. And there's a trust in the first stages of the relationship I, I hang on to his word and it comes to pass and I think, Father, I trust you. I've seen your works. I know where you're at. And we all have, you know. 
You've saved me. You've redeemed me. You've given me your Holy Spirit. You've given me all these promises. I trust you so now this trust can go further in this relationship to more love. You do that when you're going out with someone, don't you? Learn to trust them, get closer to them, believe in them. And then, you know, when you're in this relationship, what can actually affect it is when that trust is broken. When I, if I put someone else first before her, if I long to be with them before her, or I look forward to seeing them before her, or I transfer my affection somehow. And we've got to be careful we don't do that in the spiritual realm because God always has to come first. Not hobbies, not sport, not fishing, not... Not food, not TV, not books, not your, your new precious car. Whatever the case may be, everything has to be secondary, doesn't it? Enjoy those things, but they can never be first. You know, when we give them the first piece of our day, is he the first person you get to when you wake up in the morning? Do you say, thank you, Father, for this day? How can I serve you today? Is he the last thought at night? Are you living there? Is he your first love? You know, what about your money? Is he first fruits of your money? Do you trust him to bring all your abundance in? Do you trust him to supply all your needs? Or does he get the last bit? It's always a challenge, isn't it? If I spent all my pay and so forth and then just enjoy myself for the last little bit and there's a 10 buck left over and I gave that to Moira and I said, here we are, dear, I love you. Is that love? Or is love actually sacrificing a whole lot of money and buying a, you know, a diamond ring and saying, will you marry me? I'll give you something that's got no practical value, but I've spent so much on it, this shows my love. Right? That's what it's about. The word used for love in Psalm 91 implies a clinging to, a desiring. Do we desire him? Do we look forward to him? Do we pop home at lunch to spend time with him? Spiritually, I'm speaking about. You know, spend some time in the word or in prayer at lunchtime. Do you rush home to say, man, I've just got a chance to be with him for a little while first off, or do we get the, the bottle of wine out, the food, and turn the TV on? You know, what's, what's first in our life? Just a, it's a challenge, isn't it? None of those things are wrong. Ephesians 3.19 says to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, passes knowledge, to, to experientially know the love of Christ, passes knowledge up here, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen? That's the three stages. I don't know where you're at, and I don't know, you know whether you're at the third stage or the first stage. If you've been saved, you're definitely at least in the first stage. But God wants to lead us on to that close oneness, that relationship, doesn't he? Deeper into him. Amen. I wonder if we could just all just focus on him for a minute and just close our eyes and think about where we are at just for a moment. If you've never uh, entered into the secret place, if you've never come to know this mighty God who loves us beyond imagination, who has sent Jesus to die for us, that we all, we all might be free from sin and free from all the results of sin, then I'd pray that you think about it right now. Because it's really easy to enter in. It's really easy to hand over. All it does is cost us our life. But he gives us so much in return. And if you want to make that decision today, well, just while everyone's eyes are closed, I just ask you to raise your hand to Jesus. If you want to make that decision to come in and make a secret place in your life, just, just put your hand to him. I'm not going to ask anyone to come out or anything. But just make that decision. And if everyone's saved here this morning, brilliant, we're already in the secret place. 
But if you're in the secret place, where are you in the secret place? Are you visiting? Are you living? Have you decided to take the relationship a bit further and come into a, a spiritual union forsaking all others so you can set your love upon him? Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I wonder if we could just stand and quietly just praise him and worship him and tell him how much we love him. And if there's anything that you've been convicted about, just put it before him and get it out of the way so we can just pour our love upon him and get closer to him who has given us all, all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Let's just pour out our love to him right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We love you. We thank you for what you've done for us. In Jesus' mighty name. So